I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for the anointing that's in this house. Thank you for the power that's in your word. And as I step back, I thank you for the anointing and the Holy Spirit to take every word that is said and cause power to come from it. That when we hear the word, our lives will be changed, our minds will be renewed, and our faith will be raised. And most of all, Lord, I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following the word today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled The Soulcology of Money. Say this with me. Say The Soulcology of Money. And last week our topic was reconditioning your soul to prosper. And the goal of last week's lesson was to show you and I how to renew our minds to God's way of thinking. Now, last week we didn't finish the lesson, and so today I'm going to complete the second part of the lesson. So if you're taking notes, the lesson title is Reconditioning Our Souls to Prosper, Part 2. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to find 3 John 2, 3 John 2, and then I want you to find Psalm 19, verses 7. That was 3 John 2 and Psalm 19, verses 7. Now, we've discovered already that though it is the will of God for us to prosper. Say this with me. Say, it is the will of God for us to prosper. Now, let's make that personal. Say, it is the will of God for me to prosper. Now, in 3 John 2, it verifies that particular statement. It says, I wish above all things. In other words, regardless of what your background is and regardless of the situations you may face, he says, above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul does what? Prospers. In other words, it is the undeniable will of God for us to prosper. And when I say prosper, I mean to succeed and to increase. Everybody say succeed and increase. Now, in Psalm 19.7, because all of us, in one way or another, our souls have been damaged. Your soul is your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. Everybody say your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. In one time or another in your life, it's been damaged. Whether that was through a relationship that went bad. How many have been in a bad relationship before? Yeah, a relationship that went bad. It could have been in a marriage relationship that, that turned sour. It could have just been in a very difficult situation you may have been facing. But either way, somewhere in your life, your soul has been damaged. And here's the thing. The, the, the way that God has designed us to prosper is dependent upon how whole our soul is. And so what I'm going to show you today is I'm going to show you how to take the Word of God and reverse the condition of your soul. In other words, I'm going to show you how to get rid of a bad soul and turn that thing around and have a good soul. And when I say bad, I don't mean a bad person. I mean a bad state or condition. Because hurting people hurt people. 
See, some of you all need to get whole in your soul because the only way you're going to have a successful next relationship is if that soul get whole. Amen. So watch Psalm 19 verse 7 because it has a powerful principle in it. It says the law or the word of the Lord is perfect. And watch what the word of the Lord does. It converts the what? The soul. It says the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Notice it says that the law of the Lord is perfect and the word of God will convert the what? When you look that word convert up, it means three different things. It means to return to its normal state. Everybody say to return. It also means to restore. Everybody say restore. And then it also means to turn again. Say turn again. Now what's interesting about this word converting it only shows up one time in the whole Old Testament as that one English word converting. But I don't, when I study, I don't just look at what the top or the, the English word is. I go back to the original word because remember the Bible was translated from one language over to the other one. So what I do is I study the original language to find out, well, was that word used in other places in the Bible? And I found out that this word converting, even though it was used only one time as that word converting, it appears 1,056 times in the Bible as other words. So here are some of the other words that it come in at. To return, say return. To restore, say restore. To turn again, say turn again. Now, in Job 42.10, just write that down if you're taking notes, because this word converting shows up. But it shows up as a different word as converting. Watch what it says. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. That word turned is, ca is the word converted. In other words, it's saying, and the Lord converted or turned the captivity of Job. Well, let's see what happened. When he prayed for his friends, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had. In other words, when something is converted, it goes back to the state or better than what it was. What I'm saying to you is that there is a possibility that the soul that you started with can be the soul that you have. Amen. Remember when you were in your mother's womb? Do you remember that? I don't remember. But I do know one thing, I beat everybody swimming, I know that. I may not remember nothing else, but I do remember that. Well, think about this. Here it is, we're able to convert our souls. So my goal today is to show you through the word that you can change your life by converting your soul. You say, well, Pastor, how do you do that? Ask me, say, Pastor, how do you do that? I'm glad you asked. Now last week, I'm just going to catch you all up just for a few seconds here. Last week, there were three main ways that we decided and we found out that a person can prosper financially. The first way was through posterity. Everybody say posterity. And that's when an accumulated amount of money or wealth has been passed down to you or generation. In other words, that's called an inheritance. And here's the thing. Most of us, when we're born, we don't get inheritances. Okay, so we may not necessarily qualify for that one. But then we also learn the second way that a person can prosper financially is through the production of your hands. Say the production of your hands. And that's better known as a job. And we ought to all know what a job is. If you don't know what a job is, see me. And I will explain it to you. But a job basically is where you exchange time for money. And the problem with a job is you, the only time you can do it is when you got the time to do it. And most of the time, a job does not necessarily fulfill your dreams. 
It can meet your needs, and it can bless you abundantly. But I'm talking about dream level now. Everybody say dream level. Then the third way that we saw that a person can gain financially is through positional prosperity. Say positional prosperity. And this is where someone is spiritually or physically born into a financially wealthy situation. Now, we've broken out positional prosperity into two categories. The first one is physical prosperity. Everybody say physical prosperity. An example of that would be Mark Cuban's kids. They are born into wealth. They're not waiting for him to die to get it. He already has it. They're already enjoying it because daddy has it right now. Everybody say physical prosperity. And a lot of us don't qualify for that one either. But I found out there's another principle that all of us who are born again of God's spirit, that we fall into this category and it's spiritual prosperity. Everybody say spiritual prosperity. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9, I'm just catching you up. It says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. In other words, when Jesus died, there was an exchange that took place. He not only died and now, watch this, he spiritually took your position. In other words, there was an exchange. You took his righteousness, he took your unrighteousness. But there were some other things that happened. He also took your poverty so you get Watch this, obtain his riches. Where is Jesus Christ from? He's from heaven. Do you agree? Well, the Bible says that heaven is made out of, the streets are made out of gold, not paved of gold. So watch this, the Bible calls God's riches like this. That it says he has riches and glory. Now, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I do know that the gates of heaven Oh, pearls and jewels and all that. So God is not up there in heaven scratching his head on how he's going to pay his CXU electric bill. Okay, so if he's not scratching his head, we shouldn't be scratching our head. Why? Because we have, watch this now, we have been born into this family. And this family that we have been born in, it has, un- it has surplus that is way beyond our minds can fathom. And so guess what? This one, spiritual prosperity, the problem is, in order for it to work, it has to be activated. Everybody say activated. See, it's like a job. Okay, someone can hire you, but you don't automatically get paid until you go to work. Say amen. Amen. You just can't stay at home. You got to do some works behind your face. You got to go to work. Well, just because you and I have been born into the family of God doesn't mean, watch this, we're going to automatically prosper because just like now, you have to get a paycheck by activating yourself at work. You got to get the same thing. You connect or it's activated by doing two things. Everybody say two things. First thing you have to do when you're spiritually in position to prosper, you got to change your mindset. The second thing you have to do is you have to understand biblical meditation. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? See, here's the thing. People still cuss because they haven't decided there are new words they want to use. Okay, Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Which means that if I don't renew my mind as a Christian, I'm going to act the same way I did before I was a Christian. It don't mean I'm not a Christian. It just means that I haven't renewed my mind to how a Christian ought to act. And that's why people still cuss. Look at your neighbor and say, he still, you still cussing? Come on, just tell him. Say, look, you still cussing? Look at your other neighbor and say, you still cussing too? So I ended last week with this particular phrase. What you think mentally is where you go physically. And so there are three states that a person can be in when it comes to prospering. Not enough, just enough, more than enough. Here's the problem. Whatever mentality you have is the one you're going to float in. Now here's the problem. Some of us float in all three of them. One to the other. One day we got more than enough. Next thing we don't now have enough. Next thing we have just enough. And we just flow. Right? No, 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 no. No, no. I believe God wants us to always be in more than enough. You say, well, Pastor, how do you know that? Because he wants us to be a blessing. He says, I want to bless you so you can what? Be a blessing. So if you have just enough, that's not enough. Because if you give some of your just enough away, you now have not enough. And not enough is not the will of God. Y'all get that? Okay. So now how do we change our mentality? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Now, listen, I really want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. Here's why. Because what I'm about to say works. Look at your neighbor around you. See all these, see all these folks in here? You know how you got in here? Oh, I know you think you just came to church because you wanted to come to church. But when we moved to Seguin, it wasn't this many people in church. I said, right here on this stage, I would come two and three times a week. I would check in at the front desk. I came up here so much, they said, don't even check in. They didn't know what I was doing. I'd come in here, cut the lights on, sit right here, and I would close my eyes. And then I would open my eyes and envision lots of people in the room. I got a question for you. Are there lots of people in this room right now? Absolutely. You know why? Because I saw it, I said it, and I expected it. What I'm about to say to you right now, I'm about to show you how to change your life permanently. Are you with me? Joshua chapter 1, look at verse 8. Now, I'm about to say something now. God gave Joshua a principle. Say a principle. Now, a principle is something that will work in any situation. In other words, another word for principle is law. You have the law of gravity. What goes up comes down. Now, will that work in California? Will it work in Texas? In other words, it works wherever you go. Well, when God shows someone a principle in Scripture, if we can figure that principle out, and apply to our life, then whatever God gave them, God will give us. So watch this principle in Joshua 1.8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Let's just stop right there. Because that's where most of us have a problem. He said, the book of the, the, the word of God should be the only thing coming out of your mouth. Now, let me ask you something. If I said to you, your key to prosperity in life is keeping the word of God coming out of your mouth. 
then why wouldn't you just let it come out of your mouth? So the first problem most of us are having is what's coming out of our mouth is not supposed to be coming out of our mouth. He told Joshua, the first thing I want you to do, don't let the word not come out. Let it come out of your mouth. Watch what he says. And then I want you to meditate therein, read it with me, day and day and night. Now watch this now. I'm about to throw a loop at you. If meditation is day and night, then it can't be us sitting around somewhere in a room with our eyes closed. Because you can't do that day and night. Hello? You will not have a job long if you're sitting at your desk with your eyes closed. Okay, so meditation, no, no, biblical meditation cannot be you and I sitting somewhere in a Zen room with our eyes closed and our feet crossed. That can't be what it is. So what is biblical meditation? Well, I'll show you, but let's see the results of it. He said, you shall meditate day and night that you may observe to do, which means that when I see something right, it makes me do something. See, I got to see it right. I got to hear it right. He said, and then once you do it, he said, you will make your way prosperous. Didn't say God will. Say you will. So some of us are not prospering. It ain't because of God. See, you mad at God. I'm talking to somebody right now. You walked in today mad at God. You you mad at the wrong person. He said, you make your way prosperous. All you got to do now is listen to what you've been saying all week. If the word has has not been coming out of your mouth, you've been violating the principle. God didn't say, let there be darkness. He didn't say, it's so dark in here, what am I going to do? That ain't what God did. God said, let there be God said what he wanted, not what he didn't want. So you've been walking around all week talking about what you don't. I, I and my husband and, and my wife and my kids. Well, you having exactly what you say. Well, notice here, he said, you will make your way prosperous and you will have what kind of success? Good success. So watch this now. Many people have the wrong idea of meditation. Even in the dictionary, when you look up uh, meditation, it has a limited meaning. In fact, when you look up the word meditation in the dictionary, this is what it says it means. To engage in thought or to contemplate on something. Now, that sounds mental, doesn't it? It says to engage in thought and to contemplate on something. In other words, hmm. Everybody say, hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what the, the definition in the, in the dictionary means. But see, you can't take a Bible. You got to take the Bible dictionary to get the right meaning. So when you look up this word meditation in the Bible, this is what it means. It means to imagine. That is mental. But listen to the rest of the definition. It means to speak, to mutter, to utter, and to pray. Do you notice that the biblical definition of meditation is more verbal than it is mental? Do you see that? Do you see that? In other words, many of us, we think that our life is controlled by our minds when your life is really controlled by your mouth. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Dennis, come here. Uh, I I want you to, y'all give Dennis my helper a big hand. Give him a big hand. Dennis. Will you go and give Greg a high five for me? Good. Uh, Can you go and give Pastor Jonathan a high five for me? 
Taylor, you go ahead and take your seat again. And would y'all give my helper, Dennis, a big hand? Now, let me ask you a question. What controlled his direction? His mind or my words? That's what controlled yours, your words. He said, well, pastor, I don't know about that. See, no, no, no. It's what you, it's not what you think. It's what you say. And what you say is a result of what you think. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Your verbal controls your mental. That's why a fight always starts with words. I ain't never seen nobody just fight because thoughts. I don't like you. I don't like it. Now, these are thoughts going on. I don't like you. You don't like me? So what? What you going to do? I don't know. I'll knock you out. I'll knock you out. Your mama, my mama, whatever. <laughs> you can't read nobody's thoughts. No, no, no. What make people fight are what? Words. Because your body will follow your words. And so your life is where it is today because of what you've been saying. And that's why Jesus said, you will have whatsoever you say, not whatsoever you think. Oh, people say, well, as a man thinking in his heart, so is he. No, 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 no. Actions outweigh thinking. Let me just say it like this. When God said, let there be light, why didn't he just think it then if thoughts were more powerful than words? Y'all better leave me alone this morning. You can change your life today just by say, uh, changing what you say. If I say, I can change my life today. If I change things, what I say. So watch this now. Biblical meditation has more verbal to it than mental to it. Now, go to Genesis chapter uh, 15. Go to Genesis chapter 15. Go to Genesis 15. And, oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. All right. Now, uh, let me show you this word, meditation. I'm going to show you some different English words so, you can just sh- so I can show you it's just not mental in the Bible. Isaiah 59. He's going to put the, the verses up there on the screen so you won't have to turn to them. Isaiah 59. I don't want you to look at the context of the verse. I just want you to look at the words that the verse is using. It says, in transgressing... And lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering. Notice, see that word uttering? That's the word meditation. He said conceiving and uttering from the what? Heart what? Okay, so we are uttering words. So uttering cannot be mental. Okay, let me give you another one. Psalm 77. Go to Psalm 75. You don't have to go. He's going to put it on the screen. Psalm 77, look at verse 12. To me, this particular verse describes meditation in its truest form from a biblical standpoint. It says this, and this was David talking. He says, I will meditate. Remember, it means to utter, to mutter, and to pray. I will mutter, utter, and pray also of all thy work. Watch this. And do what? Talk about your doings. That's why the enemy wants us to use our words to talk about negative things because he wants to keep us locked in our past. 
Listen, listen. Don't use your past as history. Use it for a prophecy. In other words, if God has brought you out before, that's what you declare now. God brought me out in the past. He's going to bring me out again. Amen. If we meditate on things that are negative and they come to pass, why can't we meditate on things that are positive and they come to pass? See, you manage your mind by the words of your mouth. That's how you manage your mind. See, your mind is a one-track thing. It can't think two things at one time unless you have company. I'm not talking about company at home either. I'm talking about some company up here. Typically, you have a one-track mind. So watch this. The devil is so smart. Watch this now. This is so good. This is good. I hope you touch your neighbor and say, you got to get this. See, he gets us to think and worry. And see, worry, watch this now, is biblical meditation in reverse. Worry means to torment yourself with negative and disturbing thoughts and words. It is thinking and talking about and seeing something that has not happened yet. It is the devil's perverted form of prophecy. That's why he wants you to worry. Most, and here's what, oh, this is what gets me. We will talk, we will say worry out loud. Girl, I don't know what's going on in my house. My husband, he ain't me coming home like he's supposed to. I know he messing around on me. Okay, you speak and worry out loud. Why don't you speak the word out loud? But see, the devil's smart. We're, see, this is where we three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Because we're so more in touch with our soul, that's where we tend to function from. So that's how we feel, so that's what we say. Well, guess what? You're going to have what you say, and so that's why he keeps you locked into that. And so he has you to verbalize your worry, which is a perverted form of prophecy. Now, let me show you how to change your life today. See, listen. When you speak the word of God over your life that has not happened yet, you are prophesying to yourself. Oh, now, most people are waiting for somebody to call them out. Stand up. Yeah, 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 the Lord said. No, no, no. You don't need to say, yeah, 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 the Lord said. Why don't you say it? Why don't you prophesy to yourself? You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? Listen, from today forward, don't ever let broke, lack, or less come out of your mouth. Some of us just need to get rid. We need to go home. You know what? You need to get some. Uh, what's, what's some nasty stuff you can put in your mouth when you was little? Castor oil? What else? Give me something else. Something worse than that. I know some BC powder. Ooh. Go buy you some BC powder. Every time you say something negative. Can't drink it down, you got to swallow it. Tell you something, you're going to get tired of tasting that mess, that mess. I dare you today to walk out of here because remember, biblical meditation is to utter and mutter. You say, well, what difference does it make? Because, and I'm ending right here, check this out. Meditation starts with words, but words develop thoughts. In other words, I can say hair, that's a word, but I can say my hair is smooth and now you got a picture. Meditation starts with words. Words develop thoughts. Thoughts then paint a picture, and a picture produces desire, and desire makes you move toward whatever you desire. So I'm going to show it to you. Y'all remember my plain story last week, right? 
So I said something that, that I'm going to say again, and that is this. I have gotten to the point where my needs are not dictated by what I don't have. My needs are dictated based on my desire. Now, watch this. Desires are triggered when you're exposed. This is why go test drive the car you don't have. Go see it, drive it, smell it, feel it, touch it. You might not even want it after you do that. Because like, oh, I don't like that. But go and try it. It ain't going to cost you nothing. Right? But some time. So this year I've been privileged to travel with my pastor. He speaks all over the place to the point where he has to have a private plane. Well, I fly from DFW to Houston. And I do that. And then we fly his plane to wherever we're going, and we rarely spend the night. When he gets done preaching, he, we get back on the plane, and we fly back to Houston. I spend the night in one of his rooms. <laughs> one of his rooms. I stay in his room, and then I get up in the morning, I come back home. Ain't no security. Ain't nobody patting me down, touching me, putting my head over my head, taking x-rays of my body. I got to take off my shoes, take off my belt, take off my jewelry, take off my hair. <laughs> we got on his plane. Wasn't none of that. No security. Nobody checking no bags. We didn't have to do nothing. The car drove up to the plane. We got inside. The plane took off. We didn't even have to cut our cell phones off. I said, this is interesting. When I saw how convenient it was, I said, I want to do this one day. So I said, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my airplane one day. Now, now listen, I, know I don't have to have the money. I know the process. The process starts with my mouth. So, but, but watch this. My mouth, I had to be exposed first. That's why you should never hate on what somebody else has more than you. Because maybe them, you knowing them, is going to expose you to something later on in your life. So I didn't hate on his airplane. So I just got there. And so watch this. So then once you're exposed, it makes you irritated now where you are. So I got up there the next morning. I left his house. His limo driver drove me to the airport. I get there. Then this past week, right, I flew from North Carolina to Dallas. And what got me is, you know, I do fly first class. So, you know, at least I've kind of moved up in life like, like the Jeffersons a little bit. Because, you know, my legs are tall and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, when they board, they say, okay, all first class passengers. Well, why do everybody act like they're in first class and they ain't? So they blocking up the, the you know, they blocking the way. And I'm like, so I was like, you know what, I'm not going to fight nobody. I'm going to stand in this line. And the first class line was here. So I'm just going to wait. And I'm going to be the last first class passenger, right? But this guy looks at me and says, you know the line is back there, don't you? <laughs> We're flying to Dallas. Maybe he's seen my billboard. I don't know. Y'all have been proud of me. I said, I know that. Thank you very much. I appreciate you letting me know, though. But I wanted to knock his head off, I promise you. 
We were sitting in first class the whole time. I just wanted to. <laughs> that is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God, I swear. But then I decided I'm going to have an exercise of everybody coming on the plane. So now when I fly, everybody that comes on the plane, I nod my head. It looks like I'm either, you know, speaking to them or counting them. But what I'm really doing is thanking God for my airplane. He said, well, Pastor Evan, I don't believe that. That's fine because one day you're going to be looking up and you're going to see this plane and on the bottom of it it's going to say, word of truth. And I'm going to be like, hey! I want to challenge you today. Change your life by changing your mouth. It'll take you places you never dreamed you would go. It's so easy to say, if God is for me, who can be against me? It's so easy to say, greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that is in the world. It's so easy to say that God will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's so easy to say that God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. It's so easy to say that. But see, you, you got to now manage your mouth by managing your thoughts. So today, when you leave this place all this week, don't let nothing negative come out of your mouth. Father, in Jesus' name, we receive that word. The engrafted word that is able to save our soul. And I pray, God, that this church has gotten the message that our prosperity is in the very words that we say. I heard the devil just told somebody, it can't be that easy. Listen, I'm going to tell you just what God told me to tell you. He said it is that easy. And that, he's used that same system to get you saved. You had to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you got saved. So if it's not that easy, then you didn't get saved easy then. Oh, the devil just wants you to stay locked in to where you are. But Father, we declare today that all is well. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, I don't know Jesus Christ like I need to. As a matter of fact, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Just right there at your seat. And then there may be some of you who, you know you're saved. If you died today, you know you'd go to heaven. But, but you haven't been living the life that you know is best for you. In other words, you've been living your will and not God's will. And I think today would be the day for you to just yield 100% to Jesus Christ to rededicate your life. And then, third and not least, but there are some folks here that need a church home. Here's the thing. It's, you say in your mind, oh, I'm coming to church, that's good, but it's bigger than that. The Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. There's another level of prosperity that comes into your life when you actually plant yourself in a church. 
So I want to pray for three kinds of people. I want to pray for people who, if you died today and you're not sure you'd go to heaven, I want to pray for you. And then if you're here and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, and you're already saved, but you know you need to recommit to him, I want to pray for you. And then I want to pray for those who want to make Word of Truth their church home. So here's what's going to happen. In just a second, I'm going to raise, ask you to raise your hand if you fall in one of those three categories. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to walk down here. All I'm going to ask you to do is just raise your hand right there at your seat. And here's why. Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father. So just the showing of your hand.